Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, August 30th. Four days of the U.S. Open now officially in the books, and after yesterday's rain delay, we are now through the second round of both the men's and women's singles draws. Look, a lot of results to talk about. We've had so many men's uh, uh, men's seeds go down in these first couple of days. Today really felt like the first day that the women joined that trend. We saw upsets of Simona Halep, which we'll talk about, upset of the number nine seed Sabalenka. All of these great matches. We'll go into that and the fun storylines previewing day five. Joining me to do just that, you know, when I had to take over for him on Wednesday, I knew he was going to be a little salty, but I did not expect him to want to come back to the podcast with such urgency, but I suppose that's what happens when it's Grand Slam time. The former Denison men's tennis superstar, do it all for Cracked Rackets, uh, and host of the Wednesday Mini Break podcast, James Foster McDonald. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Hey, hey, you're right. You're absolutely right. I was fiending to be on a podcast, and I definitely got shortchanged for that one, you know, but hey, I'm back. We're good, yeah. and you're, you're absolutely right. I begged you to be on. I'll admit it. <laughs> well, if memory serves me correctly, because that was the Tsitsipas Kachnov uh, team, they all lost that day. And so yes, we had initially planned to go me, you, Matt on that day. I had actually I weaseled my way onto the Wednesday show. True. So yeah, always funny how that works out. Obviously, uh, you had, you know, you were too busy celebrating your win over for Tangela. Over for Tangela. And by the way, I have to ask, did you withdraw today from your match simply because you wanted to come on the show? That's exactly right. I was like, wow, you know, I'm going to lose this first set 6-2, and then I'm just going to get right out of here. That's exactly what happened. Well, I, just, I would have been like, you know, Andre was coming off of a physical match against Tsitsipas as well, so I really thought you had a chance, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, hey, when I was watching that Rublev and – well, let's just not call it myself. When I was watching that Rublev, Rublev and Simone match, I did at the very <laughs> beginning think – I did think that there was some – I don't know. There was some chance for it to be a really good match, and then just – yeah. Unfortunate. You hate to see it, but that happens. He's old. Yeah, and thankfully that was just one letdown. The rest of the day lived up to the billing. As I mentioned, we're going to run through the day's events, do our breakdowns, run through the rest of the results. It's nice now, you know, even though it was about three quarters of the second round, still the first day you get 64 matches in total. We did not hit that mark today. So just everything feels more manageable in retrospect. But the place I want to start... Probably the least well-managed match of the tournament in terms of this goes five sets, but up and down, left and right. This match just kept flipping. Who had the momentum? Who was in control? I, of course, am talking about number six seed Alex Virev's 6-3, 3-6, 6-2, 2-6, 6-3 win over fellow next-gen player Francis Tiafo. Jamie, I, I just I'm just trying to think of where to start with this play uh, with this match, and the only thing I can think of is it was literally. I mean, it's not one coherent narrative. Each set, it's its own story. That's right, and you know, I think the the more cohesive narrative is, I guess, this being Zverev as we've seen him 
um, in majors, right? We've seen him in on this roller coaster where he just cannot seem to find his top form. But you know, when you look at him, it's like, yeah, when hey, when he was in that third set, you know, that's Zverev we expect to see, especially when he's playing the fellow next gen guys, right? But then, you know, then the fourth set, he loses two six. So it's just you're absolutely right. It's all over the place, and it's really hard to it's really hard to digest this one and come up with some like common theme out of it because you're right, it was flip flopping between he and Tiafa the entire time. I thought the commentators did a very good job of grasping that fact. They weren't saying, you know, this is Zverev's to lose. What's he doing? Or, oh, Tiafo just doesn't have it today. They were well aware of the momentum shifts, of the way each guy was maneuvering in each set, depending on how they were playing. Now, you mm-hmm. look at the scoreline, again, exactly reflective. Uh, Zverev wins the first 6-3, loses the second 6-3. Zverev wins the first 6-2, loses, or wins the third 6-2, loses the fourth 6-2. He wins the fifth 6-3. That being said, 142 points for Zverev, 138 points for Tiafo. So this was an either-or match. You look at the breakpoint opportunities, Zverev 4 of 12 versus Tiafo's 3 of 11, and literally it was converting that one more break that got him over the finish line. But going to a more granular level, you looking looking at the things that each player did well, I want to start with Tiafo because what amazed me and what I think is something that will benefit Tiafo for the rest of his career because he really has had an up and down 2019. Seems like it's, he's unable to get wins at the 250 level, at the 500 level, but come Masters time, we saw him in Miami, come Major time, quarterfinals at the Australian Open, now you know on the brink for Zverev here. I think the best of five set format is always going to play in his favor. I also just think physically, considering this guy's what, 21 years old now, the way he's able to impose himself in a best of five set match, that's a translatable skill he'll have for the rest of his career. Yeah, I mean, I think so, right? Like, you look at some of these matches, and man, physically, he's in them. You know, even if he's not winning them in those fifth sets, he is in the matches. And so, I don't know. I think, obviously, who wouldn't be sometimes when you look toward the end of the fifth set, of course, here's a good example of it today where he doesn't quite get it done, but... You're absolutely right. I mean, the physical nature that he brings to the court, he's able to stay in matches like this against guys who, like someone like Zverev, the sixth seed in this, is supposed to be able to, you know, knock him out prior to a long, grueling five-set match. But I also love the way he imposed his physicality by moving forward, right? Tiafo in this match, 41 of 53. Yeah. He kept understanding. And Zverev, you know, beautiful ground strokes, textbook ground strokes, as good from the baseline on paper. I'm not saying result-wise, but on paper as anyone I've ever seen hit the ball. And yet, you know, Tiafo was constantly making him uncomfortable with slice approach shots or deep approach shots down the middle or just forcing him to hit that forehand passing shot, the forehand obviously being the tougher side for Zverev. And Tiafo finished so well at the net, even when Zverev was making uh, passing shots, putting the ball back at Tiafo. Tiafo's first volley today, just so impressive. And I guess, you know, his ground strokes, I, I thought Zverev constantly targeted uh, with his first serve, the Tiafo forehand, because you're still going to get chips back on that side. And for Zverev, he makes 63% of his first serves, wins 75% of those first serve points by doing, I thought, just that, attacking that forehand on the first ball, playing serve plus one tennis. He moves up uh, and succeeds 27 of 43 at the net as well. But for Tiafo, because his games, or at least his forehand, so unconventional, that he has this other you know mentality to him, take the return early, follow it in, work in the serve and volley, that's a form of aggression that I'm not sure many of his other next-gen contemporaries have. And it's a skill set that I think is going to help him succeed and separate him from the rest of the bunch. 
I think that's true. I will say that I've said it before. I can't remember on which pod, but I'll say it again. My favorite thing about watching Tiafo, you know, my favorite play that he runs, if you want to call it that, the second serve on the deuce side, he's returning. He takes the backhand, rips it up the line, and comes in and falls it into the net. It's beautiful. He does it so well, and it's just mm-hmm. another example of exactly what you're talking about, how he's able to take the ball a little earlier and impose himself at the net because he does have great hands. Like you said, he came to the net a ton today. Things like that on his return games gave him a lot of chances, right? I mean, look, he had 11 breakpoint opportunities, converts three of them. Like Things like that give him chances in a match like this, and unfortunately for him, he's just not able to get it done. Yeah, and look, we've talked enough about TF. I want to quickly talk about the Zverev side because, you know, you can criticize him for going five sets in his first two matches, but unlike Dominic Team, unlike Stefano Tsitsipas, unlike Karen Kachanov, Borna Chorich, Alex Zverev finds himself in the third round of this U.S. Open, and given how many seeds have fallen, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, that's a good place to be. Now, you look at his performance today, yes. He goes five sets. That's not great. You look at the winner to unforced error ratio, 63 to 53. What that tells me is Zverev knew if he could stay patient, stay in control from the baseline, he was going to get a slice from Tiafo and get an opening. That he went, you know, uh, 27 of 43 at the net despite the success Tiafo's happening shows. He knew, I need to move forward. I need to make Francis, Tia- uh, Fr- Francis uncomfortable, expose those ground strokes when he's got to hit the ball on the run with less time. But the other thing is, Look, you look at his serve, uh, you know, he only, Zverev only wins 46%. He threw in 11 double faults. Uh, but I thought that that fourth set was really misleading because Zverev was down a break. I want to say maybe 2-4, and he, he was up 40-love. He threw in a double fault, two easy unforced errors. Then he threw in another double fault. Then he wins the next point by grinding it out. Then another double fault. Then he ends up getting broken for that double break, and, you know, at that point it's 5-2. You're out of the fourth set. But I thought that streak of tennis aside, he served pretty well. He played pretty comfortably. Yes, Tiafo won that second set, but the level I saw from Zverev in sets one, sets three, sets five, I don't know if I've seen that from him in a slam this season. Yeah, I mean, look, you're absolutely right. I mean, the guy, well, look, he's big, first of all, and he does have a phenomenal serve. Like, I feel like that's one thing with Zverev that just, I don't know. I feel like we just forget to talk about the serve and return game so much because we're so focused on things like the clean ground strokes, like how beautiful that backhand is, right? But look, I mean, he gets a decent amount of first serves in. He wins three quarters of the points that he gets his first serve in on. Hits 22 aces. I mean, this guy can serve. And you're right. At those times, he served phenomenally. However, it was just too up and down. Right, there were just too many times where he, he, I don't know, he let Tiafo back in it by not serving well and by not sort of just, you know, getting over that finish line a little earlier. Yeah, he ends up getting it done, uh, but there were some patches of it that just weren't pretty. And what's amazing is, you know, you look at Alex Fierov now, his portion of the draw, what it would take for him to get just to the quarterfinals. I believe now he matches up with, let's see, I don't want to get this wrong. So two, four, six. He, he's got Bedene next. Bedene yep, unseated right. who knocks on uh, a knocked out pair. That seems very winnable. Then that's he would have the winner. Yes. Yeah, the winner of Schwartzman Sandgren. I think that this draw has broken about as well as you could hope if you're Alex Fierov. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, I'm an Alex Zverev apologist. I often say, give the guy time. He's 21 years old. The draw is here for him. And yeah, it is. Even, you know, he's escaped his first two matches not playing his best tennis. If he can approach even close to that level, the draw is there for him to make the quarters. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this has got to be, look, I think we were talking about this, or at least 
I can't remember who was talking about it, but I mean, look, Curios. Oh, I think it was Kale and Rothman were talking about this. I mean, look, same same sort of thing with Curios yeah. um, in terms of a draw opening up. But wow, dude, if you're Alex Barrett, you got to be looking at this draw and you're like, wow, okay, this is real. I mean, his biggest threat would have been coming up here in a little bit. Hatchinov, he would have had to play, but now Hatchinov's out. I mean, this section is wide open for him until he would run into hypothetically Nadal. So you got to be thinking that's in his head, and he, I, I don't know. I, I hope he stays on it and locked in and is, I don't know, gets a little more consistency. Yeah, that's completely fair. Well, speaking of consistency and being locked in, someone who we both hope can maintain the level she showed today because this is a player, former world junior number one, someone who's always been thought of as talented. It was just can the physical and mental components match up for her? Can she put herself in a position to have the sort of success to break top 50, top 25, maybe even top 10 like she was projected two years ago? I, of course, am talking about our next winner, Taylor Townsend, the win of the day on the women's side, knocking out number four seed and Wimbledon champion Simona Halep, 2-6-6-3-7-6, scoring the first top 10 win of her young career. Now, you know, in the grand scheme of American women's tennis, the Sophia Kennans, who's in the 2020 run one range, CeCe Bellis's, the Amanda Anisimovas, the Coco Goffs, the Katie McNallys, they're all great. But Taylor Townsend at 20, I think she's 23 years old right now. Mm-hmm. She's hovering in that, you know, 75 to 125 range for these past couple of years singles wise. You look at the skill set she has, Jamie, I don't think there's any player like her in the top 100. No, I think I think you're right. It's very unique. I luckily I had a chance to see her play at Wimbledon when I was over there. Just got to slip that in because you know got to make you jealous. <laughs> hey, great um, shot. But no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, you, you watch her and it's just something different. And I think even before the pod, you and I were both arguing. We're like, no, no, no. We thought you know we were thinking higher of Ta- of Taylor Townsend. <laughs> and I was arguing with you and saying, no, I was calling it because there was a Turnitopia. Can't remember a couple majors ago now that I had her winning a big one and and everyone called me crazy and. Granted, she didn't win it, but here's the thing. I mean, I've been I've been high on Taylor Townsend, and this is exactly why, right? Like a match like this reminds you of what she can do, and she just continued. She just continually, excuse me, made Halep uncomfortable this entire match, and so that was really great to see. And, and what a good win for her. Here's the stat of the match for you, Jamie. Taylor Townsend at the net, 64 of 106 in this Mm -hmm. match. And you know what's crazy? That's not a misprint. Taylor Townsend, a lefty, serve-and-volley player who moves in behind her return as she gets a good look at it. And let me tell you, in this match, she holds Halep to 14 of 31 on second serve points. Anytime she got a look at a second serve, big down the line, big cross court, follow it in. Some of her reaching stab volleys that somehow dropped back over the net, I was like... Are you kidding me? And then here's the best part of this match for people who didn't see. Townsend had a break late in the third. I believe she serves for the match up 5-4. And I think she goes up 40-15 in that scenario. Halep over that course, they go a couple of deuce games back and forth. I think Halep fought off three or four match points. Halep hit some of the most amazing passing shots I have seen, certainly in this tournament, just the way she scraps them out in that scenario. But this is my big way of saying it didn't matter because Taylor Townsend, 64 of 106, she found what worked for her, she kept attacking, and she kept executing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, this is just the relentless pressure um, that she can impose on somebody, and she did it to Halep today. And right, you know, Halep did have some streaks of coming up with amazing passing shots, scrambling, because that's what she can do. And I think Taylor Townsend had a great attitude about it. She's like, yeah, I know that's what you're going to do. You're going to come up with some shots. You're going to drop them low, and I might not be able to come up with a half volley here. You might pass me here. So what? You know what? I'm going to come to the net over 100 times. Look at this. I think this is hilarious when you really break down not only the net points, but the total points won. Taylor Townsend in 97 Halep 101 yeah but the hilarious part about that is so Townsend went wins 64 points at the net and 97 overall so 64 out of the 97 points she wins was at the net whereas Halep six points at the net of the 101 I mean just an insane difference and stylistically Taylor Townsend was able to use that to her advantage keep the pressure on Simona Halep and come up with a huge win yeah, look, this is easy and proper fractions, 64 of 97. She's winning about two-thirds of her points at the net, two-thirds. That is a substantial amount. And the big thing for Taylor, the thing she improved so much, and it's something that's so important to the type of game style she wants to play, in the first set, she only makes 59% of her first serve. She only wins 56% of those points, 36% of the second serves. And for the match, she only wins 47% of her second serve points. But in set two, she makes 70% of her first serves, as I mentioned, a jump of 11% from the first step, uh, first set. She's up to 68% of win, wins on her first serve, 50% on the second serve. Set three, she serves 67% of her first serves in. She wins 63% of the first serve points, 53% of the second serve points. This is my way of saying Taylor Townsend got better as this match went on, and she became, you know, the sort of discipline she needed from uh, from point one. She was able to keep that discipline up through the end of set three, and I guess that's what just made this so impressive. Not that we haven't seen this level from her in glimpses, but that she was able to keep it up despite losing using the first set the way she did from start to finish. Right, yeah. I mean, that's just a great sign. Like, right, like, of course she gets better as the match goes on, at least from the beginning, right? Even the scoreline tells you that much. But you're right, especially when you look at the stats by set. It's very apparent that she was there. She was learning. And not only that, but she was adapting her game style, but she wasn't going away from what she knows she can do to keep pressure on someone. You know, she was like, look, I need to hone things in here. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to give Halep an inch. And she absolutely did it, and she executed well. She really did. I mean, when she was coming to the net, sure, she was just crashing the net a lot of times. But when she got to the net, man, I mean, look, we all know her hands are solid. Like I said, when I watched her, I was impressed. Man, her forehand volley is so just can so we t- clean. Can we talk about this it's for two so seconds? Clean. She's a lefty serving and volleying. Uh, it's just – it. not only is it so different, it's beautiful. No, it is. Absolutely it is. And it's so, yeah, it's that honestly in and of itself makes it fun to watch. But especially when she's able to do it, like you said, get so much better over the course of the match and pull off an upset like this, it just makes it even better. It's really stupid, and I'm not claiming to have played at the highest levels of tennis, but I'm a lifelong tennis player, and I like to think all lifelong tennis players, if you have a certain degree of success, you can see that, you know, we all speak the language, right? And a lot of people can hit a good approach shot, and a lot of people can follow that good approach shot to the net. And just by sheer circumstance, by being at the right place at the right time and having your racket up, you can make a first volley. Taylor Townsend doesn't do that. Taylor Townsend directs the first volley to set up the second volley and that in itself is such a difficult thing to do Alex Vera of Taylor Fritz's of the world they're so bad at their first volleys Taylor Townsend is not Taylor Townsend closes the net as well as any player in tennis right now and it's just it, it, it really is that fun to watch 
Yeah, no, I mean it. I mean it is. I can't disagree with any of that. It was good stuff, and like I said, great to see another American woman get a good win like that. Yeah, and look, she was not the only player who got an upset today, and in fact, that's where I want to turn next. Uh, let's kind of run through those, Jamie. Start on the women's yeah. side because we did have a couple of top 10 seeds go down. Although I'm going to be honest, I wasn't that shocked at the fact that both number six seed at Petra Kvitova and number nine seed Sablanka. Jeez, I'm having af- acid reflex tonight. I don't know what's going on. But number six seed Kvitova, a 6-4-6-4 loser to Petkovic. Number nine seed Sablanka, 6-3-7-6 loser to Putin Seva. Kvitova, she's been injured all year. Been really hard for her to find a rhythm. So her early exit, given that she hasn't played that much tennis the second half of the year, not that surprising. Same thing for Sabalenka, who just really has not found her form since the beginning of 2019. Did either of these really shock you? No, I mean, but also name the last time that a six seed and a nine seed in a WTA, like in a draw in a major, were safe. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, sure. name the last time that there was a six or a nine seed that was that got upset. Who was like, that's surprising, right? Like that that this does not surprise me. I mean, at I was all. surprised I mean, Caleb lost. Yeah, that's a four seed, and she's proven herself. She's you know former world number one, and she's been up there. I'm just defending, saying, I'm or just she saying. just won Wimbledon. No, I, no, you're, I, I get your point. You're right. Anything from six to sixteen, it feels like you're you're yeah. fair game. I mean, look at the men's side for God's sake. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, and that's that's why it's so funny. But I mean, I think especially if this conversation's a few years ago, right? Anyone outside of number one being Serena is pretty much fair game to be upset on the women's side. But now this year, it's so interesting. I mean, outside of, of course, one, two, and three on the men's side, those top 10 seeds were dropping like flies there for a bit. You know, the four seed team going out, of course, Sitsipas going out, Zverev, you know, a couple of scares, Hatchinov, RBA, right? So it's interesting, but I mean, my point is here, at least on the women's side, what you said about Sabalenka and Kvitova, definitely true. And just overall, not surprising, like I said, to see a six and a nine seed go out in, in, in the women's side of a U.S. Open draw. Yeah, we said at the beginning. It's funny. A lot of seeded players have survived on the women's side, and we'll talk about that at the end uh, when we do some of the bigger questions after the first two rounds. But yeah, we said before, there are maybe 64 players. Not not 64, but if I said there are 32 players on the women's side, I think there are only 32 players left. Is I feel like I could name any of the 32, and you'd be like, yeah, there's a scenario where that player wins. Yeah, like I'm not saying Pe- I'm not saying Petkovic is going to win, but if I told you Petkovic made the semifinal, would you be shocked? No, see, that's the thing that's crazy. You're right. There's there's like there there are so many scenarios that are just so much more realistic on the women's side where you're like, yeah, I can make a case for that. You know? Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's, oh, by the way, I've been sharing your OVA fact with all of not all of my friends, but with a lot of my colleagues, and yeah. they're fascinating. Usually, you get like six or eight, and then I'm like, no, there are twenty two, and they're yeah. and they're like, no way. And so, good conversation starter. Hey, great shot by you, James. Yeah. See, you know, I'm glad I'm able to bring that to the table. I wasn't able to join you on the recording, but I was able to, you know, share a fun OVA fact. Yeah. Right? Well, the reason I send that another fun OVA fact for you, Mukova today, a six one four six seven six winner over the number twenty nine seed C. I don't think that's that big of an upset given the level we've seen from Mukova throughout twenty nineteen, but. Given 
given that C was a seed, I thought we'd, I figured we'd bring it up. But introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. You look at the men's side for the upsets, four upsets today, all 25 seeds are lower, so none that really jump off of the page. The, yeah. the most shocking of them, probably Dan Evans knocking off number 25 seed, Luca Pui, 6-4, But you look at the rest of them, Dennis Kudla, a winner in four sets. Maybe that he dropped one of the sets 6-0 is shocking about that. Um, mm-hmm. Benoit Pair, a loser 7-6 in the fifth. Benoit Pair made the final of Winston-Salem that he lost in the second round. Doesn't shock me. I, I don't know about you. That one That one is the most surprising to me, actually. I well, mean, I know, you and, know maybe you have some residual just general fatigue, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I mean, look, he's playing a guy that he should absolutely beat. Benoit Pair's had a great 2019. We've hashed that over many, many podcasts this year. And he was up two sets to love in this match. Yeah, that's he true. He was up two sets to love. He had this match. I remember when I was I was watching the scores, this one went along. I was like, oh, he's good. Oh, tight second set. He's good. And then he loses third, fourth, and fifth set, and he's out. And so that one does surprise me. Yeah, he's the 29 seed, so that part is not, you know, huge, you know, crazy shock or anything. But this is a match, in my opinion, that he absolutely should have won. So in that way, that one surprises me a lot. I guess it's more of an upset than Mukova over C in that they're both 29 seeds and Bedene sure. does not have the pedigree that Mukova does. No. But no. I don't, once I saw that match get extended, I just, you know, you're watching physically. Benoit Pair just, he looked like he did not have it. And we should say, for those who were watching, there was a little handshake controversy after the match. I believe Benoit Pair addressed it on Instagram saying he hopes the ITF looks into his opponent's uh, tactics that day and looks at the behavior and punishes them accordingly. I didn't get a chance to see it, but mm. that's definitely one of the storylines I suppose we'll monitor going into the weekend yeah. in case there's any disciplinary action. The last seed to go on on the men's side, I would say this isn't even an upset, and I would be no. shocked if you didn't have this in your Turnitopia draw because I know I did. Alex Dimenauer, six three seven five six three over Christian Guerin. Dimenauer on hard court is just, he's going to be a yeah. lock for the fourth round at the U.S. Open and the Australian Open for the next 10 years if he's healthy. Yeah, no, this is not an upset in my book. Yeah, maybe on paper it is because Garen's got the 31 next to his name. But no, this is a match that absolutely you're right in my bracket. I had Damon Hour winning. And I mean, I guess maybe I could say I'm shocked that it didn't go to four sets. But honestly, I expected Alex Damon to have complete control of this match. And that he did. So, yeah. yeah I, I agree. I mean, his match with Nishikori tomorrow one all of us have circled as must watch yeah and we'll talk about that when we preview day five at the end but moving on to the rest of the results i'm going to run through the women's real quick in terms of top seeds today, Naomi Osaka, 2-4 winner. Kiki Bertens, 5-4 winner. Sevastova, 3-6-6-1-6-3. Belinda Bencic, a three-set winner. Bianca Andrescu, a straight-set winner. Joe Conta, a 6-1-6-0 winner. If I told you any of those players ends up as the champ, I would say maybe if it's Sevastova, that would su- surprise me. But Osaka, Bertens, Bencic, Andrescu, Conta, they all look good. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, yeah, you could definitely make a case for any of those, and we've seen crazier ha- things happen, so no, absolutely. 
Do you think for players like Sophia Kennan, who played today, one seven six six zero? I'm looking at uh, tomorrow's schedule for the women. Uh, yeah, you look at it. I believe Sakari is going to have to play again. Kanta plays again. Sevastova is going to play again. Uh, Yastremska plays again. Mukova plays again. Mm-hmm. I, I, versus the Serena, Serena Madison Keys, significant difference. Do you think that's going to be a big factor tomorrow? I mean, I really don't know. I think in. In so many ways, it's just individual case by case and what that previous match held. Yeah, it sucks because some people have to get held over. And I don't know. I think it's I, – I think it would be totally wrong to say there's no effect there. But, I mean, yeah, hey, this happens in draws like this, right? I mean, you get almost an entire day rained out. That's going to happen. And so, yeah, it sucks. But, like, at the end of the day, what can you do? Like, I, I don't know. No, I, it's Blame the schedule, gods. There is exactly. nothing you can do. I will say for a lot of these players, they you know it's two out of three sets for the women, considering right. that's exactly what they just did in Cincy and in Montreal or in Toronto. True. Excuse me. I expect them to be ready. And again, we yeah. have some really fun matchups. But moving through the list of winners, Caroline Wozniacki, a very exciting four six six three six four win over Danielle Collins. I will say this though. Yeah, it's great that she's gotten three set, uh, uh, two three-set come from behind wins, and I see you right now correcting the 4-3 mistake I made on the scoreline. 6-3, not 4-3 in that second set. Uh, but I don't know. It, it was very, I think it was Pam Shriver who said, man, if Caroline Wozniacki, or maybe it was Chris Everett, who, if she can get another uh, Grand Slam title, that'd be the perfect bookend for her career. Does it feel like we're at the end of the Wozniacki era? It kind of does. Does it? It kind of does because she's what, like twenty eight. I, I don't know if I agree with that. That I don't know. In my mind, I mean, I, I mm, mm, no, I don't. I don't think I agree with that because when you think about it, yeah. I mean, I guess in some ways you could say, yeah, you know. Hey, well, actually, okay, I just looked it up. Whoa, we share a birthday. Wow, she was also born on July eleventh. That's incredible. But yes, she is twenty nine. I, I think. What's so weird about that is it just doesn't feel like her career's ready to be over to I me. I know. You know? Yeah. Like, now, that feel, doesn't, that doesn't sound right. she won her title two years ago in Australia. Exactly. And she's been around so, so long and at the top of the game, you know, like, yeah. it, it doesn't seem right to me. I think I think a lot of us tennis fans who have been around and, and seen this name for so long sort of expected more and more and more and be like, oh, she's going to get there. She's going to get there and stay up there. And it just it just really hasn't happened, you know. I um, mean, she's former world number one, but she did that years and years ago. And then we all thought, oh, the major's coming. And then it didn't come for a while. So it's just, I don't know. It's an interesting situation, but I, I feel like I would have to disagree. I feel like there's years more on the end of this one. It's tough because she plays such a physical style of tennis, right? And True. you know her public fights with arthritis and just being injured as of late, it's well known. And so to play that style into your 30s and given the way the game's going with the Benchiches and the Andrescu's and the Kennan, oh, not Kennan's maybe, but the Anisimovas who can just, or the Mukovas who hit the cover off the ball, like that's going to be hard to do if you've got any sort of arthritis in your knees. But yeah, it just, it feels like the end came suddenly, right? For someone who played so physical, for her to drop off the way she has really week in, week out. And a lot of it's been injury-related. But, yeah, there there could be a second wave, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just I don't know, too naive and hopeful here. But it just doesn't seem right to me. Like, I don't know. 
she's yeah i guess she's 29 so she could she could be almost done but in my mind that's just not how that's gonna go i could be totally wrong it's just because there's so many young talents i just i wonder what that space for what that space for her looks like right yeah she's not she's not playing at the level of a simona halep anymore and halep's that same brand of physicality or svitolina same sort of physical style of tennis but they're just five you know three to five years younger yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, the space for her is getting, you know, more crowded and more crowded, right? So mm-hmm. especially if she's battling injury and especially if she's not at the level where she wants to be at, and that just gets tougher and tougher. So I don't know, hopefully she can fight through that and sort of, I don't know, pave the way back to where she needs to be. And quite honestly, in my opinion, should be. So I, I maybe I'm just holding out and being hopeful in that regard, but no, I don't think it's quite the end for her. We talk about the vacuum being filled. It's by players like the 20 seed Sophia Kennan, the 21 seed Annette Conteve, Petra Martic, Donna Vekic, Elise Mertens, uh, Julia Gorgeous, Diana Yastremska, all winners today. Uh, the number 33 seed Zhang, also winner. And then in terms of the unseeded winners, Coco Goff, Yelena Est. Oh, let's talk about Goff for a second. Six two four six six four. Uh, so, I was going to say, you're not going to stop for that one. Yeah. I, I, I kind of put it higher on the list. I meant to have it at the end so that I could kind of loop with it naturally. Again, another list error. Um, but mm. obviously this was the primetime match, I think, on Armstrong. Yeah. They showed the ending of it. Goff, a tremendous fight to get the break the way she did at 5-4 in the third. And it's funny because I feel like, you know, whenever a 15-year-old has this sort of success, not only tennis Twitter but just – Sports, sporting world in general loves to turn and focus all this attention on the young athlete. And it feels like there's that, and then there's the backlash to that, right? The people who come out and say, this is so bad for her career. Stop pressuring her. Stop throwing all these unneeded expectations. She's 15 years old. Well, I'm going to throw the backlash to that backlash because this girl at 15 years old makes the third round of the U.S. Open after what she did at Wimbledon, and it looks real. This physical brand of tennis she's able to play at her age is special, and I'm not saying I expect her to win Grand Slams now. That's the sort of stupidity and sort of expectation hunting that gets these players in trouble, but it would be unfair and just a lie to not acknowledge how high a level she's showing which is it's just ridiculous for someone her age yeah i mean no you're right and generally i think i think you're correct in in seeing that the pressure in terms of like oh she's got to win everything now that's definitely bad but look there's going to be some pressure that's coming to her because look at what she's doing right i mean that pressure comes naturally when you're doing these things on the biggest stages of the sport and I mean, you're absolutely right. We're to the point now where it's not looking like a fluke. Mm-hmm. You know, you you see it once at Wimbledon. Maybe you can chalk it up to like, oh, you know, hey, just a crazy tournament, crazy thing happened. It's, you know, just, you know, some young American getting a great draw and, and you know, flying through it after some couple good wins, you know. But that's not the case now, right? You see her play against multiple players now. You see her get through this match at prime time. I mean, look, of course, she's got the crowd behind her, and that's great energy, but she's 15. And she's able to handle all of that and get through a three-set match like this. Also, side note here, I don't know if you saw how long she had her headband upside down. <laughs> was it the key? I don't know. Maybe that maybe that just fueled her. But I just saw it. I was like, yeah, that New Balance logo is just definitely upside down. New Balance right now is on fire with the Riley Opelka, really Coco Goff. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is New Balance, but they're they're looking good. Yeah, Ronich, not great. Oh, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Ernesto Escobedo, New Balance, five sets, Hyun Chung. He played mm, great, true. so good investment in the long term, in my opinion. But yeah, Coco Goff is special. I agree. And we're not saying—I really want to emphasize—we're not saying she should win this U.S. Open. 
We're really not. And anyone who is, is just being ridiculous. Now, I'm not even saying she needs to end the year in the top 100 for it to be a success, just to have these experiences as a 15-year-old. 2019 was a success for Coco Golf. But oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, you just have to acknowledge that this level of play for someone her age, it's special. And, you know, I'm, even if she doesn't win a slam in the next three years, three years from now, what Coco Goff is going to look like, no one knows. And I think everyone's fascinated to find out. Yeah, and even if she doesn't win in the next, you know, five years, she's 20. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. We're good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perfectly put. I think we can leave that there. Well, then the rest of the winners, uh, Christiane in straight sets, Ostapenko is straight set winner, Jabour in three, Kirstea in three. And that brings us to the men's side of the draw. And again, we mentioned the upsets earlier. Other than that, pretty smooth sailing for a lot of the seeds today. It kind of brought balance to the force. Uh, Nadal advances after Kokonakis retires. To see Kokonakis in the second round with all the injuries he's faced, I suppose that's a win in itself. But you look at the top seeds today and how they performed. Uh, Daniil Medvedev, a four-set winner, but he was dealing with cramps at the end. And then, you know, I guess uh, of those top seeds, just this bottom half of the draw i think met uh, well i guess medvedev was a rain delay but the bottom half it's like nadal zverev and then kyrios like those are the seeds left yeah it's so wide open. oh and schwartzman it's crazy schwartzman but like okay uh yeah chill- but no i mean if we're talking yeah I'm, i don't know we're talking big guns here it's insane how wide open that draw is no, that it, bottom half is it's ridiculous. And, and it's we like, should say, by the way, yeah. Chilich playing Steb right now, they split their first two yeah, sets. Yeah, they just split sets. Mm-hmm. And so, sorry, just to fill out the rest, because there are a couple of more seeds I missed. I mentioned Schwartzman, the 20 seed, but Isner, the 14 seed. Isner coming off of injury. He won Newport, but we haven't seen much. It's wide oh, open. It is. It's ridiculously wide open. And really, what's funny is when you look at it, you talk about it being wide open really for the most part granted like you said there's still some seeds in here definitely some people who are dangerous and and can you know make things happen but for the most part you're talking about it being wide open until you run into Nadal (laughs) and maybe that's premature and maybe that's wrong but I mean look look given what we've seen that's pretty much how you got to frame it right yeah, the other seeds, I should say, Monfils, Berrettini, um, and Kyrgios, as we mentioned. But yeah, and mm-hmm. for Nadal, and I'm, I'm, we'll talk about the big three in a little bit when we're done with the results, but not only did he, you know, the only of the guy, he wins in straight sets in his first round over Milman and looks the part, unlike Djokovic and unlike Federer, but then Nadal, who the only way to beat him on the hard court is to make sure his knees get injured, he gets the walkover against Kokonakis, so he's going to get three much-needed days off, and now when he's going to play Hyun Chung, who's played two five-set matches in his first two rounds. This, you know, I joked earlier that, you know, you look at Federer's portion and it's that typical, oh, everything's going to break perfect for Fed. Well, everything has broken perfectly for Rafa thus far. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talk about it being wide open and I think we forget to mention exactly what you're talking about right now. Is Yeah, it's wide open and wow, does that make it just a runway for Nadal? Exactly. And I mean, he's getting he's getting retirements. He's getting, you know, long five-setters for the opposition coming up. I mean, he's getting everything he wants right now, and he knows it too, right? I mean, he knows. He's looking at this draw. He's like, yeah, I feel good. And he should feel good. I mean, look at it. Yeah. 
And the, and the best part is he looks up at the top portion of the draw and he sees Federer and Djokovic yeah. and Medvedev. And those are probably the only three players who still in the draw who have reached the level of play that Nadal has during the 2019 Stand. season. Okay, 2019. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't shortchange my what boy. What about Kyrgios at the City? Uh, again, I think every fan wants the Kyrgios Nadal semifinal at this point. Everybody right? does. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and to Nick Kyrgios's credit, the twenty eight seed, a six four six two six four winner over Huang. I guess off the court, the yelling yesterday and the uh, the off court press conference comments, he did get himself in some drama. But on the court, no drama for Nick thus far. Oh no, he took care of business. And I mean, I think yeah, I, I don't know that that match against Stevie. I mean, got a little testy. Things got weird. He definitely definitely had a weird moment where he like wiped his towel and spit into it, and then threw in the crowd. It was weird. Do we want to talk about that about the crotch rub? Because he also yeah. went in between the legs and yeah, he yeah, no, I know I wasn't. I think I wasn't they talked about the, it. Well, the I think here, I was gonna say yeah. I think Rothman and Kale talked about it yesterday. I'll say this: what Kyrgios did, disgusting, gross. If you're gonna do that, just don't throw that towel. Part two: if you're the human. Why the fuck are you catching that towel? Like, I'm sorry, but I'd be like, I, I saw you rub your crotch and like, get that towel away from me. Maybe that, maybe he's just like, yeah, I am so cool that I can do this and you're still going to want it. <laughs> I don't know, dude. No, like, but yeah, that was, that was wild. We don't need to burn more time on that. But yes, absolutely on court. Took care of business today and just, yeah, he's looking good. Straight sets win. Easy. What he wants. Yeah. And so for Nick, he one of the favorites in the bottom half, which... Maybe mm-hmm. it's because of the seeds next to his name, but it doesn't feel like we say that often. Um, as I mentioned, Monfils a winner in straight sets. Isner a big winner over Struth six three seven six seven six. We've been dogging Isner all tournament, but seriously, great win for him. Gofan rounding into form straight sets over Beret. The run of of incoming Baylor freshman, maybe not anymore. Jensen Brooksby three six seven six seven five six two. He loses to Basilish Vili. Uh, I thought that was a great match. Brooksby, I mean. Final thoughts, Brooksby, uh, and I. I'm, I feel. I feel bad. I feel bad. I feel bad for bad for him. Him. It's his choice. But pros. 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 Yeah, he's pros. Right, right. I mean, matches like this. Yeah, he loses. But look, you're playing in the 17 scene, Basilashvili, who just bashes the ball, and you take that first Unintended. set. You already beat Bird. I mean, come on. You're you're yeah. ready. No. You're ready. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um. Yeah, I love you, Coach Boland, but I don't think we're going to see Jensen in Waco Yeah, it might this be a season. tough scene down uh, yeah. there in Waco, but uh, yeah, yeah, our boy Jensen Brooksby deserves to be playing in the pros, let's be real. Exactly, tough. Yeah, another guy, Diego Schwartzman, deserves the seed next to his name. Straight set, dominant performance from him. Stan Wawrinka, another four-set win. Matteo Berrettini, four-set win. You get into some of the unseeded players. Camille Matrasek. All right, you want to hear the biggest amount of bullshit, actually? The thing that's bothered me most during this entire uh, U.S. Here Open. we go. So, yeah, so tourneytopia.com, where we do our Crack Rackets Bracket Challenge, which... You know, lovely site. We appreciate them having us. If you're not signed up for the bracket now, sorry you can't play, but it's the equivalent of March Madness for the Grand Slams. So, not only did Tourneytopia not replace, uh, who did Camille Matrasek replace in the draw? Kevin Anderson. Kevin Anderson or Milos Raonic? Yeah, whomever or, he replaced. It, not, or it might have been. It, 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 it so Ronich, either way. It was Ronich. So not only did Tourneytopia not replace that seed's name until after the tournament started, but... 
they were they rewarded people who had Kevin Anderson going to the fourth round and didn't notice he withdrawed and didn't change their bracket. They just filled in the name Camille Matrasek. So if you had Kevin Anderson in the third round and Camille Matrasek now happens to be in the third round, you get those yep. points even though you didn't pick you're him talking, there. Like that's ridiculous. Unbl- I know. You're talking I know to me. I'm talking I am to the him. absolute it's, beneficiary of that. It's such a joke. Nah, it's a great it's way to play. It's such a joke. When I when I filled it no, out, as, when I filled it out, I knew because I filled it out that night, and I knew and I knew there was a chance he was gonna pull out. I was like, ah. And then I saw him pull it. I had the chance to change the next day. I was like, ah, I'm gonna leave it. And look where I'm at it's now. Such... The laziness is dude. Paid it's off. the same. No, it's the same thing with Paolo Lorenzi though, because he replaced someone for Svaja, and Lorenzi's now in the third round too. So it's unbelievable. I mean, and I'm pretty sure you have them both, probably, because you probably had both Raonic and Anderson. Ah, uh, yeah, you're definitely right. <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> like that's so stupid. Um, but whatever. Those are my grievances. Still good. You know, both of those guys, Matrasek, Lorenzi, lucky losers, winners. I think the first time we've had two. Of oh, them. and well, I hate to rub it Since... in. I hate to rub it in even more, but yeah, this pick's really good because I did have Kevin Anderson. It rewarded me, yeah. and I have Kesmanovic winning the next one. Yeah, well, that's nice because Kasmanovic lost today to Lorenzi. I know. And by the way, the Lorenzi cheering section. I was almost there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But still, the Lorenzi cheering section today. I mean, Paolo, Paolo, Paolo. They're unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible, and that's probably what got him through his five-set win over Miomir Kasmanovic. You look at some of the rest of the young guys, though, today. They really thrived. Hyun Chung comes back from two sets to love down. Ooh, I should have thrown this in the upside category, but happened a little later. Uh, he knocks off number 32 seed Fernando Verdasco in five sets, but one six two six seven five six three seven six. He's now going to match up with Nadal, which is pretty tough, but it's safe to say Hyun Chung, if you forgot about him, now you remember. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny you call it an upset, but I mean, I, I guess you call it an upset still because we didn't know exactly where he was and he's still on that comeback, but... I, I don't know about you. I had Chung winning this match. I had him going yeah, forward, and I, I had him matching up against Nadal. So I mean, and I actually had Hian Chung. I didn't have Kevin Anderson. Okay. I actually had I, Hian I Chung. I don't, don't want to hear it just because you're bitter. Look, hey, and, <laughs> and look, I didn't reap the rewards that much, okay? Because like you're like I you mean, said, you did. well, a little bit. I mean. Lorenzi did win and mess up yeah, my like, Kesmanovic It doesn't matter because so. – and it's not like either of us can win the free gear anyways. Fair so enough. I suppose Fair it doesn't really matter. But moving on, again, next-gen winners, Andre Rublev wins a 6-2 set after you retire due to injury. So he moves on to the next round. Of course, I actually mean Jill Simone. Denis Shapovalov playing the best tennis of 2019, without a doubt. A straight-set winner over Laxanen, which isn't the toughest match, but Shapovalov is playing well. Oh, he's playing so well. He looks he looks so comfortable out there right now, and I think yeah. the courts are so slow that it's just. But they're not clay courts, right? They're slow, hard courts, and so he's just got time to load up, yeah. and it's really fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, no, it's definitely you, you're right. The, the surface is definitely um, helping him and benefiting him because he has those huge strokes, and he's so athletic. Mm-hmm. He's able to get to the ball, and then he's got time to do whatever. And it's not like look, it's not like he can't hit hard enough to hit through a slower hard court. Okay, like this guy can put so much pop on the ball that it doesn't matter. And so it's helping him out for sure. Well, speaking of pop, Alex Popperin, mm. the young Australian, you a four-set winner for Kakushkin as well. No, I, I'm working my things. I said Sasha Bubla could serve his way into the fourth round, and he's just about doing that. He beats Fabiano today in five sets. Fabiano, obviously the guy who knocked off Dominic team. I'm telling you, Sasha Bublik 
going to end up in the fourth round, and we're all going to scream when that happens. But the rest of the results, Tennis Sandgren, four-set winner over Pospisil, Lopez, four sets over Nishioka, Carreno Busta over Barankis, and Dehar over Sinego, and as I mentioned, Marin Chilch still on court when we're playing uh when we're recording this podcast though even if he's upset by Steb the 22 seed Chilich I don't think someone any of us think will win this tournament so while it would be an upset not shocking given Marin Chilich's form yeah. but that leads us to my next thing I want to do real quick uh, given that we're through two rounds of play, given now so many seeds have fallen, I just want to take quick stock of where we're at. You look at the men's seeds who have lost. Number four seed, Dominic Team, Number eight seed, Tsitsipas, Kachnov, Bautista, Gut, Fognini, Chorich, FAA, Peya Pui, Fritz, Lajovic, Pear, Edmund, Garin, and then Anderson and Rayonich pulled out earlier. Uh, about where you expected or more upsets than you anticipated? More upsets. Um, you know, the, some of the ones in the 20s, late 20s, are always really hard to call upsets in a major draw like this. I mean, some of them, yeah, but that one, to me, that's more of an individual match-by-match. Um, just because you see, for example, I'll give you, like, when we were talking about Damon Auer and Garen, it's not really an upset to me, um, yet it shows up yeah. like that on paper. The big ones in the top ten surprise me. Um, I mean, team, we, we weren't sure on his health, so maybe you give a pass there, but Hatchinov and Sitsipas, Sitsipas, tough draw. Batista Agut, though, those ones are the big shockers. Fonini played Opelka, said so he's, I don't know, he's maybe a victim of a tough draw there, especially for, I don't know, for being a first round of a major. But, yeah, I mean, those those top guys, especially Sitsipas, Hashinov, Batista, it's surprising. Well, it's sad to say, but you look at the young guys who have lost the teams, the Chorches, the C- uh, not team, but Sitsipas, Chorich, Kachinov, FAA, Fritz, Edmund, Garin, and it's not surprising, and that's really the upsetting part is that you see these young seeds not making deep pushes, and it doesn't you know, inflame anger in you the same way it does when you see Alex Zirov flame out again. And I'm not saying I expected Tsitsipas to lose, but again, context. He lost to Andre Rubov. That loss made sense to yeah. me. FAA's loss in context. He lost to Shapovalov. Mm-hmm. That loss made sense to me. George pulls out with injury. Fognini to Opelka. Those losses sort of make sense. And then, you know, player 20 to 60 right now on the ATP Tour, it really just depends on the day. It's how you play. So I guess the really one, the one that really shocks me, Team and Kachanov, I did not expect them to lose early the way they did, especially to Fabiano and Pospisil, two guys who it feels like shouldn't uh, be able to hurt them as much as they yeah, did. Yeah, team, Team's uh, but, a special case in this one, I got to say. Like, yes, yes, it's, he's the four seed and he shouldn't lose this, but also... We really weren't sure of his form. He was not 100% playing that match. Like that, yeah, That's a different that's, story. No, you're, you're right. Again, I, I guess the thing that shocks me way less, the women's side, where you have mm-hmm. number four seed Halep, Kvitova, Sabalenka, Stevens, Kerber, Muguruza, Garcia, Suarez, Navarro, C, and Striskova. We said there's a lot of parity on the women's side. But again, we talked about the reason the parity comes from is because players like the number 13 seed Benchich or 15 seed Andrescu. Right. They're all, or 10 seed Madison Keys. They're as much of a threat to win as a 4 seed Halep, a 6 seed Kavitova, a 9 seed Sapolanka. So that we've only had, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5 of the top 16 seeds lose. That's about right. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you, you touched on it there, of course. But when we're talking about the men's versus women's draw, it's, it's different because not only you see the, the seeds crumble sometimes it's more about the fact that a 15 seed can make it and win 
on the women's side, whereas we just haven't seen that because of the dominance of Djokovic, Nadal, Fed, you know, Murray. We've got to give your guy some, some props there. But over the years, of course, you know, we just haven't seen that. And so it is really interesting on the women's side, especially some of these people like a Sloane Stevens or a Kerber who, or a Muguruza, you know, people who we think pretty much – Anytime they're in a major draw, they can do some damage and even maybe win the thing. When they go out, it's, it's an even bigger deal, especially someone like Sloan, who, of course, has won the U.S. Open. So it's, it's just interesting and, yeah, unfortunate there, of course, to see them go. Uh, but, hey, that's the way it is. There are a lot of seeds out on both sides now. Well, with that in mind, you look at for the men's side and unlike the seeds where we focus on for the WTA for winners, obviously you focus on the big three on the men's side. An update on how they've played so far, Djokovic, two straight set wins, one over Carbea Spania, one over Landero. He was down, I think it was what, like 5-3 yesterday versus Landero in the second or something, and you will have noticed his left shoulder seems to seriously be bothering him in each of these matches. We talked briefly about Nadal, straight set winner, then a win over retirement. And then Roger Fett who has lost uh, two first sets in his two first matches. I have in the second round, Federer defend Federer. Obviously, that's not correct. <laughs> um, but that he's, yeah, I believe it was Zoom. It was. And yeah, um, yeah and look, I, I think I saw stay today from Matt Willis of The Racket, really great content, who said no player has lost a set in both of his first two rounds that come on to win the U.S. Open. Uh, that sounds crazy. But it really does seem... Federer, Djokovic, at least thus far, they haven't showed their A game. And so of these big three, uh, we talked about it, but everything seems to be in place for unbelievably Rafa Nadal to take home a title in New York. And that's very early. There's a lot of tennis to be played, but I'm saying my vibe right now through the first two rounds, Nadal is playing the best of those three, and circumstances look best for him to succeed. Would you agree or disagree with that? I mean, I really don't know. I'm still picking Djokovic. I, I really, that's okay. So that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, all right, so if you had to pick one, Nadal or Djokovic, let's leave Federer out for example, or just oh. for, for instance here, are you really taking Nadal over Djokovic if you're, if you're really having mm-hmm. to say? Honestly, on second thought, I might because, first of all, we should parlay that. Definitely, that there's is, bets yeah, to be yeah, made. Yeah, there are that's bets good to call. be made. Good my call, friend. good call. Yeah, but it's just. Djokovic's shoulder's bothering him. He seems cranky, yeah. and he looked cranky in Cincy, too. And it's just, I know it's three out of five, and Medvedev's butt's hurting and stands old, and there's a lot of things that could go right for Djokovic for him to reach uh, the semifinals. Plus, Federer looks creaky, too, so who knows Federer's even going to be waiting for him in the semis. Sure. But Nadal hasn't lost a match on hard court since Wimbledon. He steamrolled through Montreal. No Federer, no Djokovic, but still steamroll. And then he looked really good versus Millman, and he gets a three-day off break early on in the tournament. All of the things, I would say, have to happen for Rafa to win a U.S. Open. No, you're right. I mean, and look, it does appear that things are falling into place in the right way. But then again, it's still Djokovic. And it's hard. It's really hard to yeah. know with Djokovic until it's already happening in a match. That's really the only time you can tell where you think he might be, he might be in some trouble. The cranky Djokovic attitude. We've seen it, of course, many, many times over the years. But it's hard to know whether he's just annoyed because it's early in a tournament and he thinks he should be beating somebody worse. It's hard to know if he's <laughs> just you know, being cocky and he's like, oh, let's get out of here. I can win this and I'm going to win this. Let's just you know, get it over with. Or if there's an actual issue with Djokovic and, and you know not being able to perform at the level he needs to, and that those are the times where he goes into matches and you see him and you're like, wow, he's actually just not going to win this match. But I have not seen that 
sort of level of scare yet. And so that's why I'm kind of holding out and saying, oh, it's Nadal's to take, you know. Yeah, you still are going to have to play so well to beat Novak Djokovic. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure everyone's very well aware of that. And three out of five is a whole new hurdle. You know, Medvedev took the serving performance of his life for him to just win a set and a half. Yeah. And so to do that over three out of five, that is a whole nother question. So, yeah, Djokovic probably still the favorite. But Nadal, to me, is the one who's the closest to that Djokovic perk as opposed to Federer or anyone else in the field. And I would say that gap is closed at least from right before the start of the tournament. I think that's fair. Yeah, and then so my last topic, uh, the next-gen players, a favorite of ours. You look at on the men's side the next-gen players who are alive, and I apologize if I miss anyone, but— Oh, I did miss someone, as a matter of fact. Good thing I caught it. Medvedev, the 5 seed. Chung, the 6 seed. Berrettini, the 24. Alex Dimenauer, unseeded. Alex Paparin, unseeded. Matrasek, uh, unseeded. And Hyun Chung, all born 1995 or later. On the women's side, Osaka, Barty, Svitolina, Bencic, Andrescu, Kennan, Kanteve, Vekic, Sakari, Yastremska, Putin, Seva, Townsend, Ostapenko, Faro, Mukova, Goth, uh... So women's side, the next gen is you know thriving as we've seen all year long. Men's side, I guess let's start there. Uh, not the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven make the round of so seven out of the thirty-two are next gen players. Oh, that seems about right, given too. where we're at. Oh, Shapovalov is another one. So eight. Does that I, seem I think one and four Chung about twice right too. So, but Zverevan Chunk. But yeah, Shapovalov's in there. I mean, so here's my thing, like. We can talk about next-gen players forever and ever and ever, right? It's just, I mean, I guess, look, maybe it is all baby steps, so it's, you know, hey, they got to use the second round, then it's the third round, then it's the fourth round, then, you know, a couple years, then they're really making deep, deep runs. But, I mean, I guess right now, for me, this doesn't really change that much in terms of how the men's draw is going to break because they still haven't proven that they can get through that next level. So it's really like, okay, who's going to make the run until they hit Nadal or Djokovic or Federer you know it's just that's just still kind of how the tone seems right now and out of this group the Medvedev and Zverev camp are really the only ones who've proven they can get up and you know really take it to them here and so I think that's who everybody's going to be watching the other ones are certainly interesting and I'll be the first to say that Shapovalov is one of my favorite people to watch he's so explosive and I will certainly be watching any match he's playing but at the same time you know you kind of go in it go in it with that attitude I, I agree with you. On the women's side, if I said you could have Osaka and Barty for two to one odds or the field for five to one odds Ooh. or sorry, flip that, five to one yeah. Osaka Barty, two to one the field, who would you take? Honestly, that's really tough. I mean uh, do I want to be smart or do I want to be flashy? But I mean realistically <laughs> I I, I wanna say I'm taking the field. Because Osaka and Barty did not look that good at the start of this tournament. They really have. They have not. They've been no, fine. They've, yeah, they have not been that impressive. And you know, maybe that'll be enough to get them across. And maybe you know, as great players do, they will get better as the tournament goes on. But I just have not been that impressed that far. This far. Same question. Osaka, Barty, Serena. You get them now oh, for three to one, yeah. or the field for two. And to then one. I'm flipping because I still think Serena's going to win this. You think so? Yeah, I do. I think it. Bianca Andreescu's looked really good. I said Diana Yastrzemska is the dark horse from the get-go, but I still think I'm going to stick with my Maddie Keys piece. I just think Maddie Keys okay. or Belinda Bencic, those are the two Respect. to watch going in. They've 
they have played a high level and speaking of playing a high level that is the sort of tennis we expect going into this final uh, into this day five heading into our weekend jamie give me two matches you'll be watching on the men's and women's side for tomorrow well, I mean, the first one almost feels unfair on the men's side to say it's Damon Hour and Kane Shikori. Must see. I Must mean, see. that's that is the absolute number one that everybody should watch. And if you don't have that match as one to watch, then I'm sorry, you're wrong. Um, because that's, can I get a pick from you? What'd you say? Can I get a pick from uh, you? Once again, do I want to be flat? No, I'm taking Damon Hour. I, I want him. Yeah. I, I want yes. him. To, I'm, I want him to win. I think he can win. He's got the game to beat someone like Nishikori, especially on these courts. I, I want to see it, and I think it can happen. I, I made the mistake of picking Dimenauer over Nadal in Australia, and obviously Dimenauer wasn't ready for that. I think he is ready for. I this. think he's ready I think for this. This, this, is, complete, this yeah. is completely different in my mind. Exactly. This is completely different. This is somebody who is absolutely vulnerable to a loss like that. And I'm not saying like I'm not trying to speak poorly of Nishikori here, but no, Damon Hour can, and I think I, I, I think he's got a good shot to win this match. No lie. Yeah. Um, that's that's yeah. not just having a fun to take for a fun take sake. There are so many good matches tomorrow. I think. Well, I'm always partial. I'm always going to try and watch Bobrinka anytime he's on so of course that's one i want to say but honestly i'm kind of intrigued by the lopez medvedev match i think wow. i think that's i think that's a really interesting one and i mean daniel's cranky i mean he is yeah, right now he's yeah. clearly not feeling his no. best yeah. and feliciano is going to hit big balls and he's, it's going to make you uncomfortable and you're going to have to do some movement yeah and look, it's Obviously, not going to be a comfortable... have to do some movement. It's a grand yeah. slam match. But it's going to be an uncomfortable match for him the exactly. entire time. That's, my, that's really what makes it so interesting is because I know Feliciano is going to make it so uncomfortable for Medvedev, and he's exactly. going to try to. And so, yeah, you know, at some points that match might get a little boring with just big serves, great holds, whatever. But I think there's some very... I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential for that one to be, a, you know, a 4-5 setter. And yeah. I feel like I can just list all of these, but finally, kept from Bessis really... We got to watch it. We got to watch it. We got to watch it. Oh, we'll plug Dominic Keffer, who came on the Correct Interviews podcast. Of course, I'm down for that. But if I was to name two, Djokovic Kudla, I'll always watch Dennis Kudla. And that's two beautiful backhands in that match. Fair. Those so, are some all of that. Hands. And then, if you prefer the one handed backhand, two of the best in the game Roger Federer, Dan Evans, third round. A lot of one handed backhands, a lot of cocaine, a lot of fun. Okay, hey, come on, come on. That was a, <laughs> hey, yeah, that was a joke. Me. That was a joke from a while ago. And honestly, well, yeah. I think I made that joke like a year ago. I thought it was really funny yeah. at the time. <laughs> I feel worse about it now, hearing Dan Evans talk mm-hmm. about it because I do think he's a good guy and he's talked about it and it it really messed with him. And now he's on the, you know, he's back on the right yeah, course. I'm and sorry, I, okay. I feel bad bringing it up, but. I mean, yeah, hey. Good. You can be three things at the same time. You can be anti-drug, you can be pro-rehabilitation, and you can be cocaine jokes are funny and we're going to make them. All three things can be true. Well, you hear it here um, first, so. apparently. But no, you're absolutely yeah, right. In, exactly. in, nice. in the battles of beautiful backhands, those are definitely two great matches to watch. Yeah, absolutely. They'll be blowing rails down the line. Just stop. <laughs> Come on. They'll be railing the ball down hey, the line. You're trying too hard, and that's, you're trying that's too good. hard, and hey, that's just not what yeah, we need. Yeah, sorry. 
we're an hour in. It's day four. A lot of pods coming, seems like. But all right, in my opinion, the women's side is the better of the two. I'm going to start with my match. Svitolina Yastremska is one I've had circles since the draws came out, as well as Ken and Keys. I mean, you get exactly what you want. The young up-and-comer versus the 24-year-old established veteran who both Svitolina and Keys incredibly accomplished. Neither has a Grand Slam title. Kennan and Yastremska are on their heels. They're not willing to wait. So just that sort of narrative of the young play up-and-comer versus the someone who's still trying to establish themselves also young. Those sort of rivalries, always my favorite. And I think Ashley Barty and Sakari, they're both in that 23-24 range. They fall sort of in that line as well. So big day for women's tennis tomorrow. Who are you watching? I think you nailed it. Ken and Keys is the one that is absolutely must-watch. Um, I think obviously we're going to turn our attention to Williams. She's taking on Mukova, but... Yeah, I mean Ken and Keys, that's that's the must that's the must see one for tomorrow on the women's side, absolutely. Yeah, well then with that in mind, all the tennis covered for the day. Any final thoughts on day four and heading into the weekend as we head into the third round? I I'm tired from all the tennis, but I'm also excited for more. You know, it's just yeah. it's it's like it, it wears me out, but it also energizes me. You know, I get tired well, of like, oh, so many matches and then I look at tomorrow's matches and I'm like Oh, let's go. You know, so yeah, the, the good news is it's like, well, days days one through four, you're like, I just got to get through everything. True. I got to see three minutes on everything so I can talk <laughs> just a little bit. But now it's like, oh, I've only got 16 men's and women's matches. I think I can watch five minutes so of reasonable. all of these, right? So reasonable. Yeah, and, and then it, exactly. Now you're like, oh, only 16 matches total. I'm watching all of these and on and on and on and on. And so, yeah, even though there's less tennis, which I suppose we don't like, the matches here on in going to be very, very very fun and if you want to catch up on them get yourself in the right mindset so you know who to expect you want to impress your friends with your knowledge of the game be sure to check out our website crackedrackets.com for all of the content you need for this u.s open you know the deal by now twitter instagram facebook youtube for those daily updates so you can get your score updates as you're at work or doing whatever it is you do during your week that would have you away from the u.s open although honestly it's the year's grand slam so you don't want to miss any of the action i'll also ask you please like rate subscribe this podcast the great shot podcast the cracked interviews podcast let us know what you think of what we've done with the u.s open is there anything you want adjusted for the second week matches or players we haven't talked about that you would like to hear about we're happy to adjust as we move forward so definitely you know let us know what you're thinking and as always i can't end without a shout out to our super producers max flingner and daniel westoff who really do have a an editing job to do whenever these one of these grand slams are upon us and you know we're happy for them it's the last one of the year so home stretch as we head into the second week but with that being said for my lovely co-host james foster mcdonald for our super producers max flingner and daniel westoff and from our entire team at both cracked rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you.